The Comedy Zone Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. From Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone Podcast with Will Jacobs. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Hello, guys. This is Joy Wills, and you are listening to the Comedy Zone podcast. It is Thursday, September 29th, and you guys have put up with me for a couple weeks, so I appreciate you, and I decided to reward you. We have a very special guest, someone I am very excited for others to learn more about. She is a young stand-up comedian, um, but also so much more than that. She is touring her solo show, Bird, right now. Um, around the country, and uh, she just got off of a brief tour doing Fringe Fest in Edinburgh. So please welcome to the podcast, Kylie Vincent. Woo! Oh my gosh, I thought when you were like, she's so much more than a young comedian, I thought you were going to be like, she's also young and tight. (laughs) (laughs) You guys should hear her vocal warm-ups if you haven't before. Um, Maybe maybe it will make an appearance. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get there. But I um I'm so excited to have you because I was just talking to someone on the podcast last week about how it's hard to be original in in what stand up is right now. And you go to I have, admittedly I haven't seen the show, but I've seen the reviews and I've just seen your stand up, which is so good in itself. I think you're you're naturally a great performer and. It's so fun to watch you, and I can only imagine what Bird is like um, based on what I've heard. Thank you so much. Um, that's that's very nice to say. I know exactly what set it was the it was uh, the Neptune show that you yeah. saw me at, right? Yeah, in Raleigh. <laughs> that, was, that was that was like all about squirting too. So <laughs> <laughs> there were like four grandparents right in the front row. <laughs> yeah, that's something that with my stand up. And um, I like my solo show, there is a little it's it's scripted, but there is a little room to like move in, in and out of it. But with with my stand up, I'm so ADHD that <laughs> I have to acknowledge anything that's happening in the room. And it's really fun. But it's sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't even get through my little sex joke because there's someone that looks like they're dying. In the <laughs> that's what I love, because as like the people who do it, we know how much of it is scripted and people like stay to the book. So when you see another comedian do stuff that you know they didn't plan, it is so funny. Totally. And it's like, I, I am my best when I'm having fun on stage. And I think yeah. that's my favorite to watch as well Mm -hmm. and once I am like loose enough to like have fun with what's going on in the room it it definitely like I could I could honestly like structurally be bad at stand up in certain (laughs) sets but if I'm having fun I'm like oh fuck it like I this was great you know yeah and I wanted to ask well I obviously I want you to tell people a little bit about bird and then I want to ask questions definitely um so bird I it's almost like it's like two and a half years ago now that I started writing it during the pandemic um it's I was like quarantined with my ex and his family in Brooklyn and I was just journaling a lot I didn't mean to write a one-woman show (laughs) like I never sat down and was like all right time to show pussy is power you know um (laughs) 
<laughs> but I started writing about my childhood because that was something in stand up that I was really struggling to make funny because um, mm-hmm. I had uh, an abusive childhood. And I, I started writing about like my family members as animals. And this is I didn't know this until someone brought this up. I, I didn't realize it. But like that's something like Pryor did a lot in his and not to compare myself to Pryor. I'm not like I'm <laughs> Richard Pryor. Um, but like I, I think it's like more just a dissociative. It makes things yeah. easier to talk about. Uh-huh. Um, I I originally thought it was gonna be a book because um, I I just didn't know how I would take it into like stand up world. Yeah. Um, and then I started altering it through like a Zoom writers group I was in, making it a solo show. Um, and then further weaving my stand up on top of it. And then about a year ago, I started doing it live. I, I started where I live in New York City. Um, I did it at the Crane Theater. And um, it, it's very, very different from it is what it is today. And now I've performed yeah. it in nine different cities and two different countries and all the past year. And it, it's an hour show. It's about um, my childhood overcoming childhood sexual abuse and um kind of everything that comes with being a train wreck of a person (laughs) and but but like it's it's like so it's so hopeful not just the 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 story and how I because it is a memoir and I'm 22 years old so it's really not the end of it and it's constantly changing um but the it's it's kind of I when I wrote it too I was like I didn't even I was like this isn't about my abusive childhood this is about me and then mm-hmm. it it kind of was like, oh, this is just a huge part of me and a huge part of like why I am what I am today and how yeah. I like go about life. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just been like an amazing and challenging experience bringing it all across the country and then further to Scotland and Fringe every day for a full, full last month. I mean, with uh that kind of story and how much you put into it, I wanted to ask, because you said you first did it to your partner at the time, your boyfriend, and his, was it his parents? Um, <laughs> his parents were upstairs, um, but I, like, sat him down in, when we were quarantined, like, literally when the world was ending in New York City, and I was like, sit down and watch my one-woman show, and I performed <laughs> it to him. God bless him. Um, he was a stand-up too, so it wasn't like okay. That makes it a lot it easier insane. to understand. <laughs> Could you imagine if he worked in finance and he's like, "What did I get myself into?" <laughs> he just like goes to the bathroom in the middle to do coke. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Babe, that's great. That's that fucking rock." That sounded insane. <laughs> that was sick as fuck. Oh my gosh, was did you find it hard to like? How much of it did he know before you did that? That's the thing. I was not open about these sort of things basically up until I started doing my show. Wow. Um, So I have sort of been processing it all on stage and not in the annoying way where it's like trauma dumping. um, But (laughs) because there there, it it isn't really like it it isn't really direct in the way that I talk about it. It, It's a very like scooch around the subject, which I, I think is for me, that's like what I prefer anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I even had, I I hate the word survivor because it sounds like I did something like, it sounds like I climbed a fucking mountain, (laughs) (laughs) but but like, I didn't like identify as like a quote unquote survivor. 
um, up until I started doing the show. And I remember being so nervous to launch the show because when I first did it, I launched a crowdfunding campaign. And then I, I then used some of that money to to set up the shows across the country for like the, the mm-hmm. deposits on the venues and stuff. Um, and I posted on Instagram, I was like, this is my show about my life and my coming overcoming abuse. And I was so nervous about it. And I, I swear to God, Joy, 30 minutes after I posted that Instagram crashed for the entire day. And I was like, of course, when I tell them I'm molested, Instagram crashes. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was like, like my trying nightmare. to push you back into like the closet. You're like, you don't, your story doesn't need to be heard. I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 Instagram, Instagram support says no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we're good for now. <laughs> it was like, like a my biggest day. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, fuck my insights aren't even great anymore. You know, the whole comedian thing, us mm-hmm. checking our goddamn insights. But, um, and then, <laughs> and then I performed it so many times now that it's like, People know my, I guess, like deepest, darkest secrets about me, but it's in a very curated way that Mm -hmm. like, it's almost like it's nice that the people close to me saw my show. So I don't have to like sit them down and like, I was wondering how many people Mm -hmm. from like your family or childhood have seen your show. Well, my family, no, no, the they it, I have a very small family and it's it's still like pretty messy and they like my mom and my sister they know that that's what I do for mm-hmm. a living and they know what it's about and they're like quasi supportive they're like we support anything you do we just kind of don't want to see it which I totally understand yeah. like it's kind of like Taylor Tomlinson one talk time talked about when she transitioned to like Christian from Christian comedy to regular comedy her dad was just sort of like no like yeah. I I just don't like this and it's like if it makes you uncomfortable I don't want we both don't want to hear what each other thinks about it right you know um but it, it totally outweighs all the good I think I I had a trouble with fi- like feeling guilty about that for a while mm-hmm. but ultimately it's like it is again like a curated way to do it because <laughs> if I know anything when I go up and I do stand up just stand up who knows what the fuck is going to come out of my mouth. (laughs) So I'm glad that it's like a scripted thing. Well, and you have so much self-awareness and I think that's what makes it so easy to digest probably because you mentioned like it can be really heavy, like that conversation. So it is about how you say it and the fact that you mentioned that it's hopeful and there's a certain way to go about it. That's so I think one of the biggest obstacles to overcome because there are so many people, even like open mics who will talk about their trauma, but they're just yelling it at you. And you're like, I don't know what to do with this information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like what I, the first year I, I, I did stand up comedy. Oh my God. I was just like, <laughs> it's either you're just uh, like have no jokes or you're just trauma dumping. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, this is, I've worked on this for so long that that was like, from day one I was like this is not what I want this to be I don't want it to be like I'm telling my story and like fuck anyone who doesn't like I know I don't want it to be an echo chamber I know who it's I know who it's made for it's Mm -hmm. like it's like survivors young women young people creators are gonna like it but like then I took it to the middle of Tennessee at Suwannee University and a lot of people from Suwannee came and like older people and some of my favorite interactions were like these older Republican um, women and men being like, you know, 
I related to a lot of what you said. And that was just, yeah, it was so cool. Yeah. Like not that, not that that's your goal, but it's like, it is cool. Like it, it makes everything seem like not as, I don't know, angular in a sense where like you said, you know who it's for and you know who's going to enjoy it the most and you don't expect some people to, but it's like you weren't trying to win over old white Republicans, but if they can relate to it, like, yeah, have at it. Yeah, exactly. Cause exactly, exactly. And, and that's what I, I think like any good art thing or, or, or solo show that I've seen, cause I, I've also seen a lot now, now that I came back from fringe um, is you quickly realize like this show is about my life, but it's, it's when you watch it, when you're someone else watching it, it's not really about that person. It's about Mm -hmm. what you take away from it and how you relate to it. So it's like, people are just seeing their own story and someone else's. And that's kind of like the beautiful thing about God, this is so gay, but (laughs) 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 it's just like, it is beautiful, you know, because um, people can describe it and and feel it and and I oh joy I've had shows where it's completely like the funniest thing in the world or it's like the darkest night of your life and it's just completely dependent on what you know what the audience calls for that night where's the I don't know if it like because obviously you've done it more in New York than any other place but were you expecting kind of a bad reception like because you've done the tour in the south a little bit so far right Mm. yeah um, I have mostly done stand up in the South, but well, I, that's not true. But I also did, I did bird. I'm in Atlanta right now. I did bird yeah. here and, um, in Austin, which are obviously like the liberal hubs <laughs> right. of the South. So it feels like New York city. Um, yeah. And, and then Swan, I guess Swanee university was yeah. the one that I was like, this is really the middle of nowhere. In Were the you South. nervous doing like leading up to that? Oh God. Yeah. Especially cause it was in like the Tennessee Williams center, which is like a huge Jesus. black box theater. And I, I shit you not. I had to like, I had to like gallivant like a horse across the stage just to like work the entire thing. And it was like, they were, they paid me to the theater department was happy to have me and like paid me to be there. But like the school didn't really give a shit if I was there. So it was like, it, it wasn't like huge audiences or anything. Yeah. So a lot of the, I've had to, it's crazy because, you know, like as standups, we've done so many shitty shows, like Mm -hmm. so many shitty bar shows where you have to gather a room together. But doing a show about something this personal for an hour, especially at Fringe, because the the sales were 40% down this year and there were 3,000 shows total. So everyone was struggling to get butts in the seat that there'd be nights where I would do it for like five people. And it was like, it was like I had to just do it for myself because right. there was just nothing. How many nights did you have to, or like, how many times did you perform Bird while you were at Fringe? Um, so I think it was twenty nine times. Oh my gosh! In one month, I had one day off. That's got to be so mentally and physically exhausting. Yeah, because it, it it seems like before you go to Fringe, it's like feels like oh, we're going to Disneyland, like the Disneyland mm-hmm. of comedy and solo shows. And you get there and it is like, it's amazing. But I, not only was I doing bird, but I was doing stand-up spots on top of it. And I, it became like, this is horrible. And I would be like on my floor the night before checking pre-sales and would have no pre-sales. And like the, the culture there is like, you're flying all day long. Then you go to your show and then you go to your Uh spots. So you're just kind of always working. And, um, 
like for me the the best things that came out were like the good reviews and then Mm -hmm. I I got like industry on my side which was awesome but it, it definitely wasn't like a sellout show and it's it's extremely difficult because you're like why am I performing this 29 times for like in like a 60 seater for like yeah a handful of people um but that definitely that gave me like way thicker skin oh I'm sure that's like the fucking gauntlet like you yeah. had, you you took a break when you came back didn't you <laughs> um <No>. so <laughs> so about that uh, I was going to um I flew back to New York and then I was like immediately doing stand-up spots and I felt like such a shit stand-up because I wasn't writing anything new during that month of Fringe because I was so focused on my show. Um, And you know how it is. If you're not writing anything new, you're like, I'm sick of all my shit and I'm just not having fun. And um, so, and then I did, I did Bird at Caveat in New York City, which was like actually amazing because it felt like a proper closeout to like this year Mm because it was back where I started and it was a full house and it was just like, I felt so and I've always felt confident with my show because it's just my show. Like it's, there's no rules with solo shows. You can, there's the, you can go minutes without getting laughter on purpose. And it's like, no one can say anything because it's your show, which (laughs) is so cool. Um, But I, I just love doing it. And it felt so good to do it. um, That, that was, that was like chef's kiss. But, and, and then I went to Arizona and I did some stand up, and now I'm in Atlanta and, and then I'm coming to Charlotte this weekend. So I kind of, I think I'm, I think I'm ill. I can't stop. (laughs) I mean, you really have been going like crazy. I, I don't know how you've done it, especially doing, I mean, I guess it might be nice to like just sometimes do stand up and then do bird because it seems like a little bit of a break without actually having one at all. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's sort of like a nice palate cleanser for me. Cause like I said, it's like with stand up, I can just get up there and be like, there's like no you know especially with 10 minute showcases or or some shit like that you're not really creating a narrative that yeah it's nice to have a separate thing where I'm like I feel like I'm doing something uh that's also a little bit important and then with stand-up I can I can be entertaining when I'm in an environment that calls for only entertainment rather than like yeah. you're teaching the audience you can be something. as dumb as you want when you're doing stand yes <laughs> yes you can be a silly little hoe <laughs> so what would be like you said there's industry there and obviously going to fringe is such a big deal what would be the next steps or where do you see bird going from here so i signed with avalon management um which which was like a a good Thing for me to happen in the next step because I've been like previously booking everything on my own and um so this is kind of like one a person to help me out which is yeah. great but two just like exposing me to other like having like generals with networks and shit because my long-term goal is to make this into a television series Damn. and yeah and so um that's something that's like in the works right now that I'm super excited about but ultimately, um, I would also just like love to perform bird more at colleges because it is that yeah. age range and just like where raising more awareness and because it's like it's so taboo to talk about this shit. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I, I still like I still want to go hard with it. And, and I think I could expand the world of bird in, in bigger ways than just the the live one hour solo show version as well. 
Damn, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Oh, thank you. I'm happy for you. You're freaking killing it. I'm not doing shit. I'm not fucking <laughs> goddamn. Okay, Miss Dave Attell. Oh, that yeah, that's very nice. I'm gonna start sweating. This isn't about me, Kylie. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I'm like, and you and 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 what did you do this summer? <laughs> yeah. It's fucking that's what I my, I've done this for like a month now, so I've done like four episodes. And the first one I brought like one of my best friends on, and I realized the whole time I did not ask her a single fucking question I was like I'm killing this obviously I'm the most self-centered person I should not have a podcast to be honest with you I think isn't what that's what podcasts are made for like (laughs) self-centered yeah honestly so maybe I'm exactly where I'm meant to be yeah I think you're actually killing it oh well thank you well I'm so happy you joined us um I think I hope your show does go to colleges because I mean, there's no audience that doesn't need to hear that kind of story, but I think it'd be so beneficial for, for people of that age specifically. I can't believe you're fucking 22. That is wild to me. I know. It's fucked up, right? I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm supposed to like be graduating college right now or something. No. <laughs> well, I've lived, I've lived a weird life and I, I yeah. am, a, I, I think it's, it was the right thing. And that's, I, yeah, I like, I like how it worked out. Are you, and how, how much are you really, I mean, I know you are stationed in like New York, but you, you traveled like around for months before this summer. Is yes, that like the so, plan for the next couple? Well, okay. got some news. Um, <laughs> I, so I built out my SUV, um, last January and have been on the road ever since like living out of the car or like staying with friends. Um, And honestly, I loved the car life. I thought it was so fun and it just gives you the freedom to go wherever. And and I just like lived in a city, a different city for like every two weeks and got to experience comedy there. Um, And, and honestly, the like minimalist lifestyle works so great for comedy because it's like everything is comedy and then I don't have to worry about the other shit. But now I'm in Atlanta and I've definitely been getting cravings the last couple months to have like. I don't know, maybe just like my own fucking bed. (laughs) So today for the first time, there's a a room in my friend's house that's uh, also a comic uh, that opened up that's like month to month. So today for the first time in a year, I paid rent. So I think I'm going to stick around Atlanta for a couple months and I'm doing like a lot of traveling the next couple of months still with like bird and everything. But this way it's like, I go and then I come back and I can like collapse on my own bed, which is cool. And that's such a good home base. Like Elena has such an amazing scene. Oh my God. I just, I fell in love with them out here because they're so good at comedy and, and uh, well-rounded. And then they're so warm. This was Mm -hmm. the only place that I did comedy at. And then would, after my late night spot, people would ask me if I wanted to be walked to my car. And at first I like Mm. my New York ass, I was offended. (laughs) I was like, well, you don't think I can get to my own car? And they're like, no, like, yeah, everyone needs to be, it's Atlanta. And I was like, okay. So I just, I feel like everyone feels really lovely here, which is cool. Man. Yeah. I, I am all for that. Um, I think it's it's a tough life living out of your car, but it takes such like a motivation and a drive to do that. And you could tell like you're so dedicated to your show. Like you really put everything you have into it. 
Um, and not that, I mean, it's, I, I struggle with that. Like, I don't want to live super like an uncomfortable life sometimes like to get where I want, but that's like part of it. If you, if you don't want it, it's not going to happen. Totally. And I think it's like both sides have a lot to it too of like, because I haven't had like housing stability or a place to land. There are like some fallbacks of like, I could never truly like rest. And then, so I would, I would have these like come downs that anytime I got into a house or someone left their apartment, I would just be like dead for like two weeks. I call it my dead day where I'm like, I'm dead and I die (laughs) in your bed and part of my soul leaves here. (laughs) So I think like a part of me is left in everyone's bed that I've stayed in. Um, And, and uh, yeah, I think, I think in the next chapter of my life is like, yes, the, the grind never stops, but also I need to like be like sparing with my, my head or else my head will yeah ultimately explode. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're given a lot on the front end. You don't want to burn yourself out. Exactly. Well, I really appreciate you talking to us. I know you have, um, so it's Thursday. Um, so I know you have a show in Atlanta tonight, but you're coming to Charlotte tomorrow. Um, yes. If you guys are listening to this, the day it comes out uh, today, Thursday, you can see Kylie tomorrow. Where is that show? It's at Enclave, at Wedgwood Venue and Gardens. Yes. I've done that. It's a cool venue. It has a stage and everything. It's super cool. Um, oh, amazing. It says, like, tickets include two drinks and dinner provided by your custom catering. Ooh. It, uh, yeah. I. It was really cool. There was, like, a real bar, like, uh, with like beer, wine and liquor. And then it really was, it felt like you were at a wedding, the food. It was like a buffet of like all this. I love that you from like living in Charlotte, you're like, it was a real bar. They had (laughs) beer and wine. It's the little things. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, it's not in your traditional venue. Um, I think that's why I said that. Uh, Have you looked it up? Um, no, but I, yeah, Shane, Shane O'Lane is the one producing yeah. it and he's great. And he I met him actually at a show in New York a while oh, wow. back. Yeah. I know it's crazy just meeting people from all over. And then I end up in places like Charlotte where I know you. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, tell everyone where they can follow you. Oh yes. Please follow me on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, Kylie Vincent, the first. And, uh, yeah, that's all the social media I do. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you, Kylie, for joining us. And thank you guys for listening. Um, Make sure to go to cltcomedyzone.com. Check out some of the upcoming shows we have. Um, Michael Blackson will be here in October. We also have the Kenan Thompson Ultimate Comedy Experience, which is super exciting. And uh, I will see you all next week. Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Hepburn and Brian Bumpashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. 